Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega nerd, Sarah Martin. Hello, craftsmen. How are you doing today? Welcome to December. This is one of my absolute favorite times of the year. My favorite time is fall. My next favorite time is winter. And where I am in the world, we have had our first winter snow for this year, which is just delightful. And Otherwise, it has been an interesting period of time, an interesting couple of weeks. I'm really excited about what I am creating for all of you in the background. So watch this space. There is definitely more coming in the new year. You know, this time of year is really a time of reflection, of planning. It's getting dark pretty early. It's kind of cold outside. So there really is that temptation to snuggle up, get really warm, and start to dream about what's to come. And here's to hoping that 2021 is the year that things start going back to some semblance of normal So today, I am really excited to share with you, it's a little bit of a shorter episode, but it's a good one. Today, we're going to be listening in on a Q&A session that I ran after I was sharing the Dignified Hedonist framework for the very first time with a lovely audience, which included some of you. So if you were there, thank you so much for coming along. I'd not planned on there being such an interesting and engaging Q&A session because you never know what questions folks are going to have or what people are going to show up with. And when I was listening back to the recording, I thought, you know what? I would really love to share this with all of you and to ask the question, would you be interested in having a regular Q&A episode on the Sexual Craftsmanship podcast, because if so, I would really love to have the odd Q&A session that I can bring through and then share here on the podcast with all of you. So if this is something you would be interested in, please head over to the Sexual Craftsmanship subreddit. That's at r forward slash sexual craftsmanship. And I'll pop up a poll there and just ask the question if Q&As on the podcast are something that you would like to see. And speaking of the subreddit, I've also got a thread going right now to organize a watch party for the film called I Am Not a Simple Man. It's a French film, but don't worry, there are subtitles. But the reason I'm looking at organizing a watch party is I want to create a viewing guide for this film because, in my opinion, it is full of amazing examples of body language. And this is something I get asked about all the time. How do I understand body language? How can I become masterful with body language? One way to do that is by 
taking a look at examples. So either checking out stock photography or doing a bit of people watching the next time you're out of the house. Another option is to check out visual media like movies. So if you would love to join me watching I Am Not a Simple Man through something like Teleparty, which used to be called Netflix Party, with some questions going in the chat where I can point out areas to observe different types of body language and you can have a bit of a check-in and a hangout with some fellow listeners and, and me, then head on over and express your interest on that thread in the subreddit because I'm looking to get this organized in the next couple of days. So yeah, it would be really fantastic to have several of you join me there too and keep me company while I create this guide. So I'm going to bring you into the Q&A now. And again, this was following the introduction of the Dignified Hedonist Framework. So this is a fantastic companion episode to episode 20, What is Dignified Hedonism? If you were left with some questions lingering from that, this would be a chance to see if someone else had a similar question to yours and to reflect on the different areas of your life, of sex, of relationships where this framework applies. So I'll say right here at the top, so as not to leave it for the end, if you enjoy this episode, please tell a friend about it, and be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you get value from what I'm sharing with you here, feel free to go ahead and drop me one of those tasty, tasty five-star ratings or reviews on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. It does warm my cold and wintry heart to read little notes like that from, from you. And I will catch you right back here next week. Okay, a question about asking audaciously. Hit me with it. So the question is, with asking audaciously, is it about getting practice, just putting yourself out there over and over and acclimating? Can be. It can be interesting to do an exercise like the classic 100 no's, though I don't recommend using that in the context of just asking 100 people out, like just rather everywhere in life, having this kind of fun attitude towards how can I collect 100 no's, because that's in general useful for seeing that no is a really okay thing. It also sometimes surprises people when they do 100 no's, the things that people say yes to. There's this great guy, he's called Jaya Jang, and he did something. He had a blog back in 2012 called Rejection Therapy, and then he's turned it into a book called Rejection Proof. And this guy is a great example of getting a bit audacious with asking for things like, will Krispy Kreme make me donut Olympic rings? And they did. <laughs> but asking audaciously is a lot more about first having an awareness that you've got a desire in the first place and then acting pretty soon after you notice that desire, after you've taken a moment to come to a place of acceptance that yeah, yes or no is an okay answer. So some people need to spend a little bit of time there getting comfortable with that. And if you can't get to a place where you can imagine in your mind that no is an okay answer, then it's not a good idea to ask that question. But presuming you can get there, then it's kind of about making an ask using boundaries and clarity.
and I go into this in a lot more depth, but it's essentially to say that like, you don't have to just do the PUA thing and go out and you have to just ask as many women as you can, not even seeing them. It's kind of like, I just got to do this. I just got to white knuckle it. This isn't about white knuckling it. That's kind of, in my point of view, defeats a lot of the purpose of what I'm talking about here. It's not very pleasurable to be white knuckling it. Okay, I see there is another question here. Lately, I've been having success with dating, but it doesn't last very long and they end up hurt. So I really don't want to put myself out there knowing that making progress might entail hurting people. So this is one of the things that taking a dignified hedonist approach to sex and relationships helps with a lot because, again, I go into it a lot more in depth than I can do here, but it's about breaking out of this self-sacrifice dominance paradigm, this binary that a lot of people make as an assumption to how relationships work. Self-sacrificing, that's, I will do what the other person wants always because I want them to be happy and I want to fulfill what they want. And then the dominant side, which you see a lot in the PUA space is, no, I'm gonna control the frame. I'm gonna make the other person do what I want all of the time. And while they look like polar opposites, like in the way that Tantra and BDSM look like polar opposites, they're actually very similar things. And the pathway forward is like, it's a lot simpler and it's a lot less exhausting, but it's also more vulnerable, which is why people don't like it, which is again, asking this question, what do I want? And showing up with that. So without trying to also, okay, but is it what I want, but also what they want and how do I cloak it in that way? And it's not showing up like, you have to accept what it is that I want. It's more coming from this place of, here is what I want. And I'm curious to know, what do you want? And even then, if it turns out something isn't going to work out with a potential partner, there can be feelings of disappointment. But if you're always showing up coming from that place or most regularly showing up coming from this place of what do I want, if that's the question you're asking yourself before you are interacting with someone, right? If that's how you show up to your social interactions, that's a big part of how you avoid a lot of this hurt. Because where does it come from? It comes a lot of times from mismatched expectations and people thinking that something that they've made assumptions and you haven't corrected those assumptions and you didn't even know you needed to because you didn't know they were making assumptions. This whole head stuff, which is people do it and it's really counterproductive. Like people wind up really upset and frustrated when that happens. So that's the place to start is really about, because the thing is when we define your desires, it's about learning a practice because your desires are gonna shift and change because you are a dynamic person, right? It's about developing that practice and that skill of tuning into desire and letting that be the thing that helps to lead you forward. I hope that helps and answers that question. Let's taking a look. Okay. I have a medium-ish question. What if you like the red parts of yourself and reject the normative standards and embrace your inner freak and love it? I feel as though the choice of color coding implies a negative association with red and a positive with green. If you 
like parts of yourself, right? If you embrace them, then that's beautiful. That's part of defining your desires and honing into them. In this color scale, part of where I used and chose to use the traffic light system is because in general, the things that happen in red, I find stop people from moving forward to where they want to be. When they're in the yellow, they'll be moving, but slowly. And in green, it's much easier oftentimes to have that forward momentum, right? To just like if you were driving a car, it's that's why I picked stoplight colors. And maybe I should have been a bit more clear about that when I was introducing that exercise. So it's not so much that red is negative because I'm not here to make moral judgments. What I care about as a sex coach is here's where you are, here's where you want to be. How do we plot the course to get you there? So in aggregate, the things that were in red are things that very commonly block the clients that I work with. And in green, those are things that very commonly facilitate movement towards desire for the clients that I work with. So I hope that helps. And yeah, like you got to love your inner freak. I love mine. Okay. Another question. What can I do when the idea of being the focus of conversations and activities on an emotional level, but on a logical level, I detest and hate myself for being too dominant and not letting my partner be herself. So what I'm hearing there is that you like to speak about yourself, you like to speak about your interest, you like to be asked questions about who you are and what you do and what interests you and what excites you. So if I'm on the right track with that, let me know. If I'm totally off base, then also let me know because that's what I'm going to speak to unless I hear from you otherwise. It's interesting to me that in situations like that, you like the feeling you have is that you're being too dominant because what I'm hearing there is you like having somebody who's interested in you. And to an extent, I'm still a little bit confused about what this all means. I like being the center of attention in relation. Okay, thank you for the clarification. Okay, so, right, the thing that comes up for me in intuition that pops into my mind is then you're wanting to look for somebody for whom lavishing that attention is a pleasure. And what immediately came to my mind and intuition is I was thinking a little bit of some stuff I know from BDSM context. So you have both people who are like submissives who maybe they are service submissives and serving is something they love, but you can also have people like service tops who are also being dominant, but in a way that's in service to someone else. And so I'm not talking here necessarily about a power exchange relationship, unless that's something that piques your curiosity and you go, okay, I hadn't really thought of that. Maybe I'll investigate it, in which case I encourage you to, because there's a whole wonderful world to explore there if it calls to you. If it's coming from this place of desire where part of what you desire is to be lavished with attention, there are people for whom lavishing attention is also a pleasure. And this doesn't mean, again, this is coming from this place of what do you want and not from this place of I must make this person give me all of their attention. Can you see like there's a qualitative difference between those two? So there's nothing wrong with wanting to receive a lot of attention in a relationship, provided that's coming from that place and not a place of you have to be this way. I don't actually see an issue with that desire. She can't express herself. 
So part of where this framework and this way of working is so powerful is that when you start practicing this, so if you start coming more from this place of what do I want and coming together with the curiosity of, and what do you want? It's the beginning of opening up space and in an existing relationship for the other person to begin to be able to express more of what they want. We we're very influenced by the people that we spend a lot of time with. There's this common quip that the five people that you spend the most time with, like help define who you are as a person, which, you know, take from that what you will. I think we can generally agree that the people we spend time with influence us. And I talk often to my clients about how some of these behaviors that we go through here. So in this case, opening up about what it is that you want, being one form of vulnerability, Like another one that comes up a lot when I'm talking to people who are dating is like about how to talk about safer sex before you have sex, which is something that lots of people have never done before. And part of how I frame it in that context too, is that when you start to model these behaviors, especially if you're doing them imperfectly, especially if you stumble, especially if you call out that you feel a little bit awkward when you do it. What you do very powerfully is you give your partner, whether that's someone you're having a one night stand with or somebody you've been in a relationship for a while with, permission to show up imperfectly too. Because a lot of these things that you're worrying about, like they're worrying about them too. And maybe the flavor of the worry is a bit different because we all have gender spice sprinkled on top of us throughout life. A lot of the underlying currents, though, when you look at them as human traits with gender seasoning, become really relatable in a way. So you can also think there, what helps you to feel safe in expressing yourself in relationships? I hope that helps. I'd like to say thank you to everybody for joining us here. Hope you have a fantastic week. And yeah. And a week full of lots of pleasure, like make sure to include some of that too. So without further ado, I am going to close up shop and I will catch you all later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friend zone and download your free guide to avoiding the friend zone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today. 